This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agapimatch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, each week I bring a guest on to talk about dating and relationships while answering your questions. You can ask a question by visiting askamatchmaker.com. This week's guest is certified family law specialist, Kelly Chang Rickert, better known online as Lawyer Kelly. She has exclusively handled family law cases and prenuptial agreements for over 20 years. She is the author of several divorce articles published by Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, and Money Magazine. Her latest books, Protecting Yourself from False Accusations and Two Adventures with Mom and Dad, a children's book about divorce, were both Amazon number one bestsellers. Kelly routinely appears as an expert on television, radio, to comment on family law issues in celebrity divorce and custody cases. And Kelly discourages scorched earth tactics in family law and encourages mediation and collaborative solutions whenever possible. Before I bring Kelly on, I just want you to all know that I booked this interview with lawyer Kelly like a month ago before we heard about the whole biggest divorce ever, I think, or it's going to be crazy. We're going to talk about it. Lawyer Kelly, welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. Thank you so much, Maria, for having me on. Like I just mentioned, Bill Gates divorce. I feel like we have to talk about that first, but before we do that, let's learn more about you. So you are married. Yes, I am. And is he also a divorce lawyer? No, my husband is a school teacher. Oh my God. I love that. How did you meet your, um, your husband? Uh, so my husband and I met at a wine tasting event, you know, the old fashioned way before everybody meets online. (laughs) So yeah, we met at a wine tasting. Were you already, um, a lawyer at the time? Uh, yeah. So I became a lawyer pretty early. I was probably 22 or 23 years old. And I met my husband, I think in my thirties, he proposed about six weeks after we went on our first date. Uh, So it was like, yeah, I think I got married around 31. Yeah. 31. And I had my first child at 32, but yeah, I've been a lawyer well over 10 years before I got married. And he was a school teacher when you met him as well then? Yeah, he was. One of the most common things that I hear sometimes, you know, not only as a matchmaker, but as someone who gets dating and relationship questions every single day is about financial compatibility. And in fact, one of our most popular episodes is episode 37 about financial compatibility. And what I said then, and what I continue to say is that like, you know, salary is not, you know, it does not determine financial compatibility, lifestyles and values do, but you see this as a, I don't know what you see as a divorce attorney. Maybe I'm wrong. So I, you know, that's kind of a tricky question, but I will say like in my twenties, when I was unsuccessfully dating and not finding my match, you know, with the online, the problems I have with that is that they do have like thresholds for salary. And so a lot of empowered women like me, you know, you'll want to pick like, you know, if you, you make six figures already, then the natural inclination is I'm going to date a guy who makes more than me because unfortunately society has conditioned us to believe that. Um, So I will say that until I dispelled society's expectations of what I should be looking for in a mate, I was unable to find a mate, you know? So if you are setting those salary expectations that this guy needs to make more money than you, 
fine. You might be able to find that. But if you set your sights on something higher, like he has to be kind, a good person, a good father, then your matches will expand. So, yeah, I mean, it's not mutually exclusive just because someone makes more than six figures doesn't mean that they're a bad father, but there has to be balance, of course. Yeah. Six figures isn't a lot of money these days, right? I mean, we're we're going to talk about Bill Gates. The guy's worth 150 billion. What is that? 17 figures. So yeah, like I don't, that's not back then when I was dating, I think six figures is great, but I don't know what people show, you know, in their real life doesn't, I do a lot of divorces and I will just tell you this, Uh the clients that come in driving nice vehicles and they're in these Beverly Hills mansions, they're also mortgaged up the wazoo. So at the end of the balance sheet, their net assets are like negative 20 million. You know, it's like, they don't have liquidity. Oh, well, not even the liquid. They don't have assets because their debts eat up all their assets. So I'm not even talking liquidity. I'm talking like, I have people that are very modest. They both make, you know, W2 jobs and yet they own real estate. That's equity. And then I have people that lease their cars, rent their homes and they have nothing, but they, on paper, it's like, oh, I have 20 million, but they have 40 million in debts. So they're worth nothing. They're worth negative. You're in California. Are you, are you around LA? Yes. I'm in LA. You also have children. Yep. I have two kids. Do they understand what you do for a living? Oh yeah. They see me on TV all the time. And I have, you know, I write a lot of books and they're all around the house. So yeah, they know, they know that mommy's a divorce lawyer. Do you feel like, this is a really personal question, I guess, but do you feel like by being divorce lawyer or a family lawyer, I I experienced this. I want to see if you experience this, but in like the opposite way, when you see why people divorce, do you feel like you try to do the opposite at home to like make your marriage better? Do you work on your marriage because of your job? I think so. I mean, there's always a side of you that sees the bad. So you try to avoid it, you know, so probably a little bit. I feel like half of my clients are coming from divorces. In fact, I've had a few men um, hire us, like they would leave the divorce lawyer's office and then they would just head over to my office. And they're like, I just signed the paper. I'm just going to hire you. I'm not interested in learning how to date right now. Just, just introduce me to my next wife. But you know, since half my clients are divorced, I do learn about like, why did it not work? Why in your words, I'm not asking your spouse, your ex-spouse, but like in your words, why do you think it didn't work out? And then I'll go home and I'm like, okay, listen, we have to do this because I get yeah, scared, totally. you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, between that and, um, I don't know if you know, Dr. Terry Orbeck, but she did, um, I think it was the national Institute of health had given her funds to, uh, follow 300 couples that got married in 1984. And so Ah. she's been following these couples, um, from like a science-based perspective, like a clinical perspective, like who got divorced? Why did they get divorced? Who got remarried? Why did they get remarried? Did they get divorced again? How many children do you have? Like what makes a marriage happy? And it's just interesting, you know, it's like, I've heard her perspective. So now I'm really excited to have your perspective because you get to see the dissolution. Right. So tell me how you chose, first of all, to go into family law practice. Is that what it's called? Family law practice or something else? Here's the thing. I didn't choose it. I don't think any normal person would want to be a divorce attorney because my job is pretty hard. It's you're dealing with people at their worst and they're also very, very emotional. And so if you you didn't go to psychology, like I didn't take any courses in psychology or emotions. So I don't, it didn't pick me when I opened my firm. Uh, those were all the cases I got. So as a solo practitioner, you know, divorce cases just came swarming in my door. And so I, I picked I just decided to specialize in it because it's really hard to learn and have clients. So I specialized, I tested, I became a specialist and then I became a speaker and then I started writing books and then, you know, it just kind of grew out of that. But I don't think that, I feel like it was like, it chose me, but I didn't really choose it. I just kind of did what came to me. 
I love that. I think that's, that's great. That I mean, look, I think that means that people trust you when they feel the most vulnerable. And I think that that's a form of charisma. Aww. And at the end of the day, you're yeah. trying to make people feel happy again in some way. So I think there's, I don't know if I'm definitely... trying to make them feel happy, but I'm trying to okay. help them move forward. Cause I can't really Ooh, yes. happiness. You know what I mean? You're like, right. you're then totally it's, right. that's not my job. And so I just try to help them move on in a healthy manner. That's the way I describe my job. You know, I try to help them move on in a healthy manner and help them with the legalities of their current marriage. Um, lately, I've been specializing in prenups, which is like helping them prepare for marriage, which I, I like much, much better than the fallout of a marriage. So I really, really advocate for prenups or, you know, mm -hmm. for marital counseling. So that's what I've been focusing more of my career on is prenuptial agreements. Well, tell me more about that. So I, as someone who did not get a prenup, tell me why that's I should okay. have gotten one. That's okay. <laughs> People always say prenups prepare you for divorce. That's not necessarily true. I mean, things happen during the marriage, right? So like, for example, I had a client, um, she had a prenup like a few years ago, maybe seven years ago. And then during COVID, her husband died. She has a house in her name. This was all separate property. And he left a lot of medical bills that were unpaid. So she wanted to know if the hospital could come after her property. And the fact that she had a prenup pre prevented the hospital from coming after her. So it had nothing to do with divorce. It's just he passed away with a lot of med medical debts. In California, all debts acquired during marriage are a community, even though it's not your debt. A lot of people don't know that. And so like in the divorce, we'll unveil like credit cards, you know, 30 grand here, 40 grand here. And they're like, I didn't oh buy that. God. It's like too bad. You're responsible for half of it. And that's one thing that really sucks about divorce. You're responsible for known or unknown debts of the other side. What, is, so, what does community mean? So there's nine states in America that are community yeah. property states. And in community property states, the law says all assets and debts acquired during the marriage are community. So basically, you they view marriage as like this together thing. And everything acquired during this marriage is community, including debts. So it's a very onus law. Like, um, I personally don't like it. I don't believe that it's fair to people that, you know, if you get married in California, you'll have a different result than if you get married in Oklahoma, which is not a community property state. It's just not fair. So that's why I advocate for prenups because the law is different in any state. And it's not fair that wherever you live, the law there dictates. So the states having community property, just looked it up, community property are Louisiana, Arizona, California, Texas, Washington, Idaho, Nevada, New Mexico, and Wisconsin. Washington, Bill Gates lives in Washington. Mm -hmm. Tell me, well, wait a second. So let's talk about that. Did they have a prenup? No, they didn't. What do you think that divorce is going to look like? I think it's been settled. Community. So that's it's already thing. been settled. Very high asset, very smart people. They settle their divorces before the public knows. So, you know, it's, they're not your average couple. This couple needs tax planners and estate planners. They don't need divorce lawyers. They've already figured it out. And that's the smart way to go. Because a lot of people don't know this, but you're paying lawyers for their hourly time. And so to mm -hmm. hand your lawyer all of your emotional garbage, that's wasting money. Lawyers are going to use that emotional garbage to bill you by the hour. So they're going to make your expensive as they're going to make your divorce expensive. People like Bill Gates, they're not stupid. <laughs> they're not going to be paying lawyers to fight for them. So they've already had a separation agreement and they settled their whole case before the papers were even filed, before we even knew about it. Right. That's what smart people do. 
Um, so so we they're very smart. smart people and they're going to keep the wealth within that family. They're not going to just throw it out at lawyers. To go back to the community aspect of it, let's say I decided to attend um, UCLA to get an MBA while I'm married and I got a student loan for that degree. And then my husband and I divorce. Would my husband be responsible for half of that student loan debt? Not in California. So in California, we have an exclusion to stu- student loan debt. Okay. So that would be excluded in California law. I don't know what the law is in all 50 states or Canada. So you would have to go consult an attorney there. But in California, student loans are specifically excluded from community debt. So you said that you specialize mostly in prenuptial agreements and you gave a really great reason why someone would need a prenup. It has more to do with asset protection. Like you gave a really great example. Is there a like after marriage prenuptial agreement that people could get into to, to protect? Yeah, their assets? there's this thing called postnups, um, okay. but postnups are a little bit more complicated because your spouse is already your spouse. So you owe them a bigger fiduciary duty before mm-hmm. marriage. You guys are strangers. So you're negotiating like strangers. Once they're a fiduciary, which is your spouse, the, you know, the odds are much higher. And also a lot of people don't sign postnups <laughs> because, you know, it's like, I'm already married. I don't want to sign this thing now. So you have right. no remedy if they don't want to sign it. Um, and I, I want to say postnups are, frankly, I think anybody can challenge a postnup. Right. You can just toss it because you could just be like, nope. So you either don't sign it or you challenge it. But I don't think postnups hold any water. I had a client in the past. He was a really famous athlete. His salary is very well known and because it's public. And I remember when he came to us, he told us that, you know, his last girlfriend, they broke up because she didn't want, she didn't want to sign a prenup. And he wanted to make sure that anyone I set him up with, they understood that a prenuptial agreement would have to be signed should you know, should this go forward? Like, should this work out and decide to get married a year or two from now, whatever a prenuptial agreement, and which is what we did. We would tell women like, you know, Hey, this is a really famous athlete. And how do you feel about prenuptial agreements? And I was doing kind of like the dirty work for him, not dirty work. I don't consider dirty work, but it was like the obstacle. I think that sometimes people of high net worth might feel, I suppose. And I'm wondering if there was a different way that he could have approached his ex in terms of like prenuptial agreements. Like, how would you, what would you advise to a person who's in a relationship um, who does have, I mean, I don't know if our prenuptial agreements also recommended if you don't have any assets. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. So like, yeah. I think instead of, I think a lot of people are under the misconception that if you sign a prenup, you get nothing. So that's like totally stupid. That doesn't, that's not what that means. So a prenup is basically changing the law. So like in California, everything you acquire during the marriage is community. Is that fair? I don't think so, because let's say you're a rap artist, okay, and you happen to create this rap song during the marriage that's awesome and gets you billions of royalties. This is your intellectual property, and because it was created during the marriage, she gets all the royalties thereafter. So the marriage, let's say they had a one-month marriage and you created that song, then she gets half a billion of all these royalties. That's not fair. So, you know, you have to protect that. So instead of saying like, I need you to sign a prenup, maybe you just say, you know, the law is not very good for me. I do want to provide for you. And also if you're not planning to work, you would need your own separate account. We could do a prenup where I give you a separate account and I put money in your separate account that I can't touch. That would be great because then the woman would have her own money, you know, instead of like, she's controlled by this athlete. So, you know, I have a lot of women that 
after being explained, because that you know, women are usually insulted. I don't want to sign that. That means I get nothing. That's not what that means. It means that you get something in writing, you know, versus half of what you don't know. Because here's the thing, just because you marry a billionaire doesn't mean you're getting half his billions. The stuff that he made before the marriage, you can't touch that. It's only the stuff he makes during the marriage. So God forbid you marry a retired billionaire who makes nothing during the marriage. You're going to get nothing because this community property is nothing. So with you, you would want to be smart. If you married somebody and they expect you to stay home, you would say, look, I want some money. So during the marriage, I want a hundred thousand every year of marriage. And you can put it in my separate account in my name only. That's what I would do if I was a woman instead of saying, no, I don't want to sign one because she's not thinking about it. So, but does that mean, I know you're not a financial advisor, but like, let's say money is being put on the side. Does that mean that now she's responsible for like the family expenses of nope, the prenup the could or the children any lawsuits. So like, if you're marrying somebody who's like a businessman, chances are he's going to be sued a lot. So you can say in the prenup, I am not responsible for the other person's debts. If he gets sued, that's his problem. So you can say, I waive any liability associated with the other person's debts. You can say that in a prenup. Wow. Okay. Is there like some sort of, when you, when someone comes to you, can, first of all, can anyone hire you for a prenup? Like, or do you only work with Californian couples? Uh, I only do California law. So it would be only in okay. California. So when someone in Cal, we do have a lot of listeners in California. So if someone were to come to you, do you give them like a worksheet on prenups? Like, oh, what do you want covered? Check off. Or is there like some standard template that comes with prenuptial agreements? There's no standard template. So usually they book like an hour consult and we go over the law in California as it, you know, as it relates to money. So community property, I explain that. I explain spousal support, which is alimony. I explain that. I explain what the prenup can or can't cover. And then, you know, they might have specific questions about sunset clauses or severability clauses or interim clauses. And I'll explain all that. So then after that one hour thorough consult, then, then we decide if they're going to want to get a prenup. And so then I'll draft it and I'll do an outline. But yeah, it's all like set forth. A couple can't use me together. They both need their separate attorneys. Oh, oh, okay. And do you recommend a prenup for all couples? Like even if yes. you're, let's say both people were school teachers. Absolutely. Why? Because I think you at the very least need to know what the law is. So you should go. So maybe I don't recommend a prenup, but I recommend you go talk to an attorney. So before you get married, you go talk to an attorney, both of you, your own separate attorneys, and you find out what happens if the marriage doesn't work out and you go over the law. If you don't like the law, then you can change it. If you like the law and you both decide the law as applied to you is fair, I don't want to change it, then fine. But a lot of people, when they're coming in with a lot of assets or they're coming in with a lot of debts, they'll want a prenup protecting them. But that, but that when you say debts, student loan debt is excluded from that debt. Correct. All right. In California. I don't know about in California. Others. Okay. Well, this is, this is definitely helping me out here to understand a little <laughs> bit more about your world. Sorry, a lot, uh, a lot. I can tell that is, this is really tough because you're, you're also like, essentially I'm imagining that a lot of your day is lecturing or, or just, you know, trying to teach people about right now you're, you're uncovering a lot of misconceptions that even I believed. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> so I, that's I, I appreciate media that. Accounts for out there yes. preaching and teaching. I love it. I love your social media. If you are not following lawyer Kelly, you should absolutely check her out. Um, she is on Instagram, TikTok, medium, just check out lawyer Kelly and you will find all of her amazing content. Okay. Aww, what you. do you feel is now in your own experience, what do you think are the most common reasons that people get divorced? And I say this, I'm asking you this from like a way of like, 
so people can kind of reverse engineer. Like, I don't want you to experience these problems and then get divorced. I want, if you're currently in a relationship, if you're currently married or if you're single and looking for a relationship, like, you know, what to look out for so that you, there's no, there's less chances of divorce in the future. So what are the most common reasons for divorce that you're experiencing now? I think it's lack of commitment. So I think the number one reason for divorce is lack of commitment. And I say that because, you know, as a couple, you're going to start you after that romantic phase, you know, subsides, which all of those do, um, Mm -hmm. you're going to go through a period where, you know, this marriage may not be what you expected it to be or what society crafted you to expect it to be. Um, But you, I think just both of you have to enter it with, with the expectation that it is a commitment. It's hard because I don't, there's a lot of like false teachings and preachings out there. So it's really hard for me to say what that would be, but I just think- Can you give me an example of the false teachings that you think poison our brains or give us a mis, um, uh, mis- uh, misguided expectations? If you just go to a bookstore, there's a lot of like self-help books and it's all about me, 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 me. Um, so I think the self-help culture and you do you, you do uh-huh. you is what's failing marriage. You know, I think marriage- really? is- well, I don't think it's about you. <laughs> it's like, if I go around my day going me, 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 I'm just going to do me, 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 me. It's very self-centered and marriage is not self-centered, you know, marriage, the theme it's joint. And so it's right. kind of like, yeah. So yeah. If you go in and you're like, oh, well, we're just incompatible. We're just this. I met somebody better. You know, it's, it's not, you have to go in thinking it's not about you. It can never be about you. Okay. It's not, and we're not martyrs. That's not about them either, but it's about you guys together. And so that's more what I think of it. You know what I mean? Do you ever have kind of, but do you ever have clients who are just completely, I mean, you must like where the rug just gets pulled out beneath them. Like they weren't expecting it and they don't want this to happen. I do. I've had, um, a lot of clients that they weren't expecting the divorce. Not as many though. Usually it's gone downhill. You know what I mean? Right. We haven't talked, we've been estranged, things like yeah, that. So it's not, it's not completely out of the blue, not completely. Right. Out of the blue. It's never completely out of the blue. So I get this question maybe once a month. Mm. You see, I used to get a lot more pre COVID because people were out and about meeting people more than let's say the last 12 months. And the question was, um, I've started dating someone that I met online. I found out he's married should I tell his wife because hashtag girl code? Got it. What do you think about that? I I think that would depend on the situation. You know, there's never like a blanket answer. So I think it would depend on the circumstance. And it also would depend on your intentions. You know, if your intention is to girl code, you know, help this woman get out of um, a fraudulent relationship, then your heart would tell you to do something different than if your intention is to stay with this man and to ruin, you know what I mean? So I think it's, um, I think it's all, you know, circumstantial. So I, people ask me questions and they want like a hard answer. And I'm like, I just try to speak the truth, but the the truth, the truth is the truth. And I just try to, it, it may, what applies in your situation is different than what applies to somebody else. So I I think it depends, but I think as far as that relationship goes, if you find out that somebody is married, block. Yeah. Yeah. Block them. You didn't you know what you didn't. Our, our 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 listeners didn't see it, but lawyer Kelly just did one of those like finger across the neck, kill him. But I don't think kill the relationship. Kill the relationship. What is the number one challenge that you face as a divorce attorney? 
I guess negative emotions. <laughs> what what so, negative emotions? Well, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, I'm naturally like a pretty upbeat, happy person. Mm. Uh, but after doing 21 years of divorce law, uh, I could, I'm a little jaded, you know, and sometimes I go home and I'm kind of down on life. So I, it's, you know, cause people all day long are telling me what their husbands and wives and I just think it's sad because at one time you made vows to each other, you wouldn't do this to each other. And so I just, it's sad to me that people do such awful things to the people they love breaks my heart. I remember, um, I was, I don't know if you know her, but you guys live in the same city. Dr. Romani. She sometimes, um, she's a narcissism expert. And sometimes she actually participates in court cases as a expert witness when it comes to like social disorders, let's say. And Mm -hmm. I remember her telling me a story that like, you know, sometimes she participates in a lot of family law cases and it's like the parent, the one of the narcissistic parents, the abuser, it's not that he want, they're fighting, he or she are fighting for the kids because they want custody it's just like another way to hurt the other spouse that's exactly right oh wow okay and yeah and so that uh that just kind of it shook me to my core when she said that and I never thought that people did that that like no no I don't want the kids I just want to hurt you and I can use the kids against you yeah it happens so much you know sometimes it's like a dog you know person doesn't even want the dog um I heard about this case where this person fought over a cat got the cat and then killed the cat. Like, why would you do that? It just, it's such evil, you know, it's, it's astounding. And I will say that, you know, after 21 years, I kind of want to just go into full-time teaching because I don't, I don't want to be around people like this all the time. And I pick my cases really, really carefully. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I I can discern a certain amount of energy or intention from the first yeah. meeting, you know, and, and sometimes it's not about that. Sometimes it's, you know, maybe the other side's that way, but I just don't want to get involved. So, you know, I, I, I never judge. It's not my place. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard. The hardest part of about being a divorce attorney are the negative emotions. You are thrown into a sea of them. Do you think there are, do you think, I don't know how this works. So I have to ask, but like judges in these cases, let's say you don't go into arbitration. Like, let's say you're in front of a judge now. Mm-hmm. Are there judges who do this as long as you, or do they also feel burnout at some point? Um, I think everybody feels burnout if they're in family law, whether they're an evaluator or a forensic, I think everybody feels burnt out. I suspect, and I'm sure this will be some future PhD students thesis, but I suspect that COVID has done a lot of damage in marriages. I think also even, I mean, even China last year was reporting that they had a divorce boom. Do you, are you mm-hmm. experiencing that in 2021? You know? Yeah. But I think in relationships in general, right. Do you feel that? Like, I feel like well, our community has I'll suffered. Tell you some, yeah. I, I'll tell you something as someone who sees the opposite, like, well, you know, you and I are on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> and pretty much, and I yeah. feel the burnout too, because for me, my biggest challenge is trying to manage someone's expectations, especially if they're divorced, because they come to me with like, you know, who is the opposite of my wife or my husband? And it's like, well, that's not, that's not your match either. I don't want you to date someone who's completely opposite. There was something, you know, you built a family with this person. There was something you may have shared. You just were not in a full life commitment alignment, but you know, anyway, but I, I I do get, I also experience burnout as well. And, but it's the opposite side of, you know, you just get to see the bull in the China shop, I suppose. It's like, okay, what can I, 
what, what, what can I get? What can I do? What can, what's the, what's going to be different this time around this part in this, this next part of my life, you know, and it's, you're trying to manage that expectation. So one and- of the things that I realized, um, like mid last year, when I started noticing the, so every, every Wednesday I get questions. I do this thing mm-hmm. called ask a matchmaker on my Instagram. So people ask a ton of questions and I try to give answers and all that stuff. And it's obviously the inspiration of this podcast. And one of the questions I started to recognize one of the trends that I started realizing last year was that a lot of people were breaking up because they saw their partner during COVID. And I think what COVID did, and I've said this in a previous episode is that COVID destructed the social contract and social design of relationships. So for instance, when you chose to date someone, um, let's say, you know, you Kelly, when you chose to date your now husband, um, you subscribed to seeing him. Um, let's say you live together, you know, you subscribe to seeing him, um, from 6 PM to 7 AM on weekdays. And then for half of that, you'd be sleeping. <laughs> and then on weekends, which again, for a lot, some of that you're sleeping, but also on weekends, people run errands, people maybe go golfing or maybe go play squash or whatever. So you're not 24 seven with your partner. And also you never get to meet for a lot of people, most couples, you don't get to meet the work personality. And then suddenly, you know, COVID puts all of our lives on a global scale at a screeching halt. And then suddenly you're with a person that you, you had not, it was never designed for you to be together. And I think COVID disrupted the social design of relationship where people that were, were already in, I mean, I'm not saying that people that were, that can't be with each other 24 seven are incompatible because it's really tough to be with someone. I mean, even my husband and I, we had we had, I remember, I think it was like the first week of April, we had to have like a really intense conversation about mm-hmm. how is this going to work? Cause at the time I had, you know, a two and a half year old son, I was pregnant, you know, really pregnant. I was eight months pregnant. And I was like, look, I can't see your face all day. Uh, we can't, we can't do this. And, you know, we decided each of us gets one hour of alone time a day. That helped also scheduling sex helped for us because, and that, that was like maybe in the fall where we noticed, you know, you see, and this is, I think I keep, I've been reading articles about too, where people, you know, their sex lives, couples has fallen. Cause you see the person all day, every day, the desire falls. I think that's natural. So we started scheduling sex that really helped our relationship. I know it sounds really neurotic. I'm, I'm not as neurotic as I make it seem right now, <laughs> but these were the things that we did to like protect our relationship. Yeah. So I'm wondering now from your end, did you see did you see like an uptick in the incompatibility just became too much? It's like, no, no, we, now we have to divorce. I, you know, my phones are always ringing. So I, I wouldn't say I saw an uptick. And as far as people spending too much time together, um, I, I guess, I don't know. I think it's all individualistic. You know what I mean? The problem with social media is that you're seeing everybody's private lives, you know? And yeah. so now everybody's always comparing. Mm. So it's very, it's very dangerous because like, I think scheduling sex is a great idea because I'm a busy professional, but to another couple that doesn't do it because they're more spontaneous, doesn't mean that their marriage is going to fail. Maybe they have a better sex life. You know, it just, it's very all, I think marriages and relationships are very private and therefore you shouldn't use like law or some other standard objective to govern what's in your private home. You know, it's the same with child rearing. you know, it's just what you, your decisions for your children that's your, that's your business. You know, Bill Gates and his money, that's his business. The biggest problem I have with family law is how ugly it is because you're airing your dirty laundry. So I, you know, Mm. it's just, people should know that 
Lawyers are not tasked with fixing your brokenness. That's not what they do. And a lot of times they go in and they, they break some more stuff because they want to bill you for it. So you just have to be really careful what you use lawyers for. And so I think that's, that's what separates me from the other family law attorneys is I know my purpose and there's things I will do and there's things I won't do. There's things I can do and there's things I can't do. So do you think for a better use, for a better use of, let's say your time, since, you know, you're now explaining to me that you're not a therapist, you have a specific job at hand. And there are some lawyers who might try to act therapy, act therapists to bill you more. Do you, if someone is in a position where they are considering divorce, should they like bullet point what they want out of a settlement? Like, you know, should they come in already with their little idea? Like, you know, take away the emotion, just add the logic to what's the best use of someone's time. Instead of like a list of demands, maybe a list of questions. So like, instead of saying, I want sole custody, I want this house, I want this, maybe ask, what is the law about custody? What is the law about joint bank accounts? What is the law? And you go to the lawyer with all your questions. And then the Mm -hmm. lawyer will explain what the law is. And then a good lawyer will give like best case scenario, worst case scenario. So that's what I usually do. You know, I'm like, best case scenario, we agree on this settlement. Best case scenario, we can't agree. If we go to court, this is the best case. This is the worst case because it's always a range. You know, when you go to court, both sides are arguing. And so the judge is like, where do I land? Where's my decision? So, you know, you give a best case, worst case. That's what I do. But yeah, when you come in with a list of demands, fine. But as an attorney, I'm going to be like, yep, yep, eh, nope, nope, nope. You know, so do you the law feel is like law. you Do you feel like you can ever predict that someone will get divorced? Like among, like, you know, like I once went to a wedding and I was like, I give them a year. Oh yeah, I totally do. Oh my God. Funny, because I got a call yesterday prenup I did like 14 years ago, took 14 years. I was like, wow, that lasted a long time, but got divorced. And I knew when I signed that prenup, they were going to get divorced. How did you know? Like what gave it away? Do you feel like, um, he's an asshole. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> not- <laughs> that is enough. And I won't even tell you which side I represented. The guy oh. was an ass- asshole to me, asshole to just asshole. That's tough. Assholes it's tough to be marriages asshole. never work out. You marry an asshole, your marriage isn't going to work out. You're an asshole, your marriage isn't going to work out. How do you know if you're dating an asshole? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Honestly, like, I don't think, I know, I know who's an asshole, but like, I don't think some people realize that they're with a, if, I, I always think like, are they obnoxious? Are they a douchebag? Are they following the social cues of what is respectful behavior um, opposite others? Like, to me, that's like, if, you're, if they're not, they're an asshole. That's a really good question. That's a really good like topic for your podcast. You know, this is what I always say. The problem with society and relationships today is that we have elevated expectations and yet our standards are very low. So I always say, don't lower your expectations, make higher your standards. Cause this is an example. Like women will be like, I want a guy that makes a million bucks a year, drives a Tesla, lives in Beverly Hills, blah, blah, blah. Those are expectations. But then they'll be like, you know, but he cheated on his girlfriend once, or, you know, he, whatever he fought, he, he and his ex-wife fought over the cat and then he killed the cat. But it's yeah. like, what you're dating a guy that did that. It's like, why would you yeah. do that? That's really low yeah. standards. And yet you have these expectations that he make a million bucks a year. So 
raise your standards, lower your expectations and don't date assholes. Don't date assholes. Yeah. And then one of the things that, um, I always conclude this episode by saying, you know, be lovable, but more, it's more important to be likable because one of my philosophies that is, I love you and I like you. And I think it's very, and I want you to tell me if you think I'm wrong or right. Okay. But here's what I think. I think it's really easy for people to fall in love, but it's really hard to choose that you're going to like someone for the next 30 years, 40 years. And so you have to, you know, continuously do things that make you likable and also make, they have to do things that make them likable. And you have to share your lives together so that you feel like you're dating or you feel like you like each other. Because I have a feeling, I've said this, and I, but now I'm talking to divorce lawyers, so maybe you can tell me I'm wrong or right, but I don't think people divorce for lack of love. I feel like people divorce for lack of like. I don't like the way you talk to me. I don't like the way you um, spend money. I don't like the way you, I, you make me feel resentful. I don't like the way I don't feel heard or like, it's always these things. It's, I think you're right. You know, love as the way society defines it is very, um, you know, passionate hot sex. And I think that's not as long lasting as like, you know, you can, you just got to like somebody. My, so my husband and I, we come from a family of no divorce. So his parents have been married for 60 years, mine for 50 years. We all have siblings. All of us are long-term marriages. Um, and all of our siblings, spouses, siblings, there's no divorce in the family. And so we just all like each other. You know, it's, that's the one thing I can say about my in-laws. They just genuinely like each other and they like to spend time together. A lot of couples don't like to spend time together. I don't, you know, you see them at restaurants, right? They're like sitting across and they're like, they're They're not not even looking at each other. They're just on their phones. It's like, they find whatever's on their phone way more interesting than their spouse. That's danger. Yeah. I like when I go to mm-hmm. restaurants, if we, if it's possible, cause in New York, it's really hard because of the way seating regions are, but I like either sitting next to my husband or sitting perpendicular with him because it's like, it's more intimate. It's harder to take out the phone. Yeah. I like that too. Then you're like, you know, you're like together instead of across. Yeah, and then, and I like that like, too. Kinda, it's, it's like, like we have fear. to you get to, yeah, we get to, we get to watch other couples. We get to discuss things. Uh, another thing that has helped a lot is um, having our own separate intellectual pleasures. Like, you know, he listens to different podcasts. I listen to different podcasts. He reads different books. I read different books, but then we come together at least once a day and we talk about, that's like a thing that we learned from Dr. Terry Orbeck. If you have not heard of her book, it's, I think it's called five things to get your marriage from good to great. That's such a good book, but it's like investing 10 to 15 minutes a day on non-maintenance talk, like just talking every day that has nothing to do with bills, kids, mortgage, parents, work. That has just been so critical. Like we will, he'll watch it. We'll watch YouTube videos together and we'll discuss them. Like we, we make an active effort to, to do things that we can share with each other. So that way it's always new. Cause you know, you ever like ever been in a relationship? I don't know about your relationship history, Kelly. Um, but like, have you ever been in a situation where you've seen couples where it's like, oh, we don't talk anymore. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Or we've, t- we, we know all the stories. So one, one last question before I let you go, I, I don't know, but do you watch the office? Did you ever watch the office? Yeah. I love it. Okay. So I need to know who do you think Jim should have ended up with? Like in real world, do you think Jim and Pam would have lasted as long as they did? Or do you think he should have stayed with Karen? Pam. Of really? Course. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. I'm a romantic. I mean, look, I love, I love them as a couple. I am a PB and J fan. Okay. But I feel like his match was Karen. 
He's ambitious. I think, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, Lawyer Kelly, where can people find you? On Instagram and TikTok uh, and yes. Twitter. Basically, I have all social media and YouTube. It's all Lawyer Kelly. Yes. And go follow her. If this episode made you feel like you need to get yourself a prenup or a postnup, I want you to tag both me and Lawyer Kelly on your Instagram post. That's matchma- That's at Matchmaker Maria and at Lawyer Kelly. I want to see those posts. I also want to thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. Don't forget to follow this podcast so that each week a new episode drops into your phone. Of course, tell a friend, tell two friends, have a listening party while you drive to your Memorial Day weekend picnics. If you have a question for this podcast to be answered on an upcoming episode, go to askamatchmaker.com to submit. Lawyer Kelly, thank you so much for coming to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Thank you, Maria. You are something special. Thank you so much. Thank you. And until then, be lovable and more importantly, be likable. See you next week. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.